Hello and welcome to the Delco Skate Park Coalition podcast. The Delco Skate Park Coalition is a nonprofit organization of skate enthusiasts, parents, and disability rights advocates looking to build adaptive and inclusive skate parks in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Aaron Lopez, and we are the podcast that covers all things about skateboarding, skate parks, and not just skate parks, but ADA, accessible, adaptive all wheels, and inclusive skate parks in Delco and beyond. I think the stories we hear from local skaters have so much impact for our podcast. So I'm very happy to be speaking with local skater and Delco Skate Park Coalition supporter, Shane Von Hartleben. Shane is originally from New Jersey. Shane is here to share his skate history, and I think it will resonate with many listeners. Shane, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me here today. Absolutely. Um, so if you can, Shane, just tell us where you're from and when did you get your first skateboard? So my parents are from Northeast Philadelphia and they raised myself and an older sister. So two, two children, they raised us in New Jersey. I got my first skateboard actually, I started riding my sister's skateboard. She's two years older than I am. So she had the skateboard before me. So I would kneel on the skateboard, sit on the skateboard and kind of work my way through those early, early stages. And that was from three years young. So skateboarding definitely became a, you know, very important part of my life as it went forward. When you were really little and, you, you know, you had your first skateboard and like we all went through that developmental stage, right? Of just kneeling on the skateboard and making the wheels roll. Um, did you feel like you took to it? 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. I felt right away that it was just this cool energy, having the ability to have the motion from, you know, just small inputs, even just as that young of a person. And I knew right away that I wanted another one. And that's when I started to pay attention to like kids basically on the street and saw different skateboards that they had. And then uh, within the next year or two, I had like a more skill, you know, uh, capable skateboard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. About how old are you when you get like your skateboard where you felt like you could grow with that? So turning five, getting the Nash board and uh, it, you know, being uh, more modern compared to the California freeformer plastic skateboard that my sister had. So that Nash skateboard, you have fond memories of that board, it sounds like? A hundred percent. Absolutely. Taking the paint off of the, you know, skateboard, repainting it, customizing it, and definitely having like the early connection with art and everything that way as well. Oh, that's cool. So about how long do you have this Nash board? I have that board for another couple of years. And then after the Nash board, soon turning seven, I get a complete professional skateboard, a GNS Billy Ruff, so a professional model and being able to feel the differences with performance and capability and everything that way. So about how old are you after you get that GNS board and you're like really starting to improve and you can tell that you're improving? I believe that from about eight years young, I could 
feel the differences, progressions starting to happen, uh, paying close attention to what you know other people were doing on their skateboards, uh, starting to see magazines. Um, what know, magazines were you reading back then? Yeah, uh, Trans World and Thrasher and Slap magazines would follow uh, from there. Uh, videos, of course, uh, became a big inspiration as well. And I'm thankful to have had mentors early in life that I feel were uh, very committed and dedicated to the craft, the art that skateboarding is. So I feel like I was uh, fortunate to be in a good area and meet some nice people that were uh, in pursuit of progression. And it just always felt different than other activities. When you were um, with the, you know, riding the GNS board, you're eight years old, you're starting to really feel like, you know, you're progressing and you're seeing things in magazines and you're watching videos. I don't know if there was one video that stood out for you at that time or. Bones Brigade video yeah. show. Yeah. Absolutely. Were, was there, um, you know, a. Uh, a certain spot that you would go skate was it your neighborhood like what was your skate terrain where where were you where were you learning and growing with your skateboarding initially just out front of my house and on the street with neighbors uh, we had to be pretty creative I mean we didn't even have sidewalks and like curb cuts so it was just a, a paved road and you know friends were starting to uh, build ramps essentially and so raw flat ground street skating and as well leading into you know being creative and uh, neighbors starting to build ramps and everything that's what started to take place and and shape and uh, I was fully inspired so about how old were you you think when you when you tried out your first ramp uh definitely eight eight years young there was neighbors starting to build ramps directly across the street from my house so uh, right away I was exposed to different terrain and having to like adapt to whether the terrain was rough or smooth or transition or banked and straight. So definitely thankful for all those early founding opportunities. Yeah. I mean, as a kid, were you pretty driven to just like really try it all out? And I definitely was very driven and um, I participate participated in everything that other kids, you know, were doing, uh, you know, riding bicycles, playing any of the, if I can say it, like uh, conventional activities, soccer, football, baseball, anything that was really happening, like I participated with, um, but it was not even close to the feel that skateboarding uh, provided, so definitely... Skateboarding sounds like you had something that you just truly loved about it. It felt completely fulfilling and you know in other activities you can participate to a particular level maybe you have a reliance upon someone that's throwing a ball catching a ball or any kind of engagement that way but skateboarding is 100% focused driven every second you're paying complete attention uh, to become safe, of course, but have the result that you're, you know, looking for to learn something new. Yeah. So when you start to get better, um, you know, you're eight, nine, ten. Where does it go after that for you with your skateboarding? 
my family went different directions, my mother and father, so uh, you know that contributed to moving multiple times. So with the ability to very easily have your skateboard come with you, um, you know that was a big contributor. And then meeting new people, it was uh, very easy to see like a, a lot less people skateboarding then compared to now, of course, which is amazing. Uh, but yeah, I formed friendships with people in these different towns that I would move to, and uh, we'd be able to, you know, kind of uh, gauge what we're doing differently and kind of uh, contribute to each other's skateboarding. And what really resonated with me was the acceptance, I would say, where I think, you know, I witnessed just like any other young person, uh, you know, having to be welcomed in maybe particularly in a particular sport or activity where skateboarding it was just so open and welcoming that instantly skateboarding seemed like such a family everyone that i met early in skateboarding seemed to have that same you know appreciation of one another so that's definitely the foundation for me with skateboarding so you moved a lot when you were younger, and I don't think that unless somebody's gone through that, you know, changing schools, moving, that is the hardest thing when you're a kid to go through that. That's like, you know, the whole bottom falls out from under you with that. So it sounds like skateboarding kind of kept the ground under your feet. It felt like I had my best friend moving with me. And I was so comfortable everywhere yeah. that I went. I was like, all right, here we go. I'm able to have my friend with me and continue to do what I've been doing. And then, yeah, new friends would uh, you know, come my way through skateboarding. Yeah, it was a way for you to find your way to people who you, you knew you were going to get acceptance with, it sounds like. Definitely. Yeah, so moving to different towns, meeting new people, uh, being turned on to magazines and starting to learn of internal aspects of skateboarding and um, how much was offered with new companies and products being released, innovation and things with technology. Uh, so that definitely inspired me. And then I would start to reach out to companies and as a very young person communicate just from even the advertisements, send a self-addressed stamped envelope and uh, you know get sticker packs and things of that nature uh, I ended up going from that entry level communicating with companies to literally reaching out writing letters sending pictures and sending videos so yeah. were you sending pictures of you videos of you skating correct that's so so that's great what was it that like what was your goal in reaching out to these companies I believe most people have stories where they'll say, what would you like to be when you grow up? And someone may say, you know, doctor, lawyer, some of the firemen, you name it. The list is long, of course, you know, professional athlete, whatever that it is. So very early, I felt like a definite interest to continue skateboarding and have the support of companies. And, you know, even at a very young age, it felt like there was this connection happening. And yeah. fortunately, I was pretty well received. I was developing some early relationships with companies, and it felt like I was contributing to skateboarding in my area mm -hmm. and contributing to friends that I'd be skateboarding with. 
And that's what started to really take shape for me pretty young. Was there a time, because you said that you um, you were going to neighbors' houses to try out their ramps, was there a time in your life where you had your own ramp in your backyard? So that was a definite uh, dream. And yes, my mother, uh, when having lived in different apartment complexes and things like that and moved a number of times, uh, my mother was in the position to get another home like we had grown up, you know, for a young age. So she asked my sister and I something that, you know, we both would like to see in a new house. And we both had the uh, same answer, which was the interest in having some yard so we could uh, do something in the yard. And I asked about getting a skateboard ramp and my mom was 100% supportive of that. My father moved, uh, you know, a number of times as well. So I would live with both my mother and father a number of different times. And then um, early in high school, uh, I lost my father. So I was living just with my mother and uh, things started to take shape in her life in a very positive direction and got a new home. And yeah, very shortly after we got a skateboard ramp uh, in the mix. So early in skateboarding, uh, as we continue to meet all these people that come from different areas, I had some sponsored skateboarding friends that I considered to be early mentors, and they also had ramps, and they also had the skills building those ramps. So I communicated with them and let them know that you know I was moving into a new house, we had some yard, and that I was very interested in getting a ramp. And I mean, it happened fast after that. <laughs> Tell me who you, who were some of the mentors, who were some of the folks you reached out to to help you get this ramp together? Uh, one of them is Adam Hawley. That's a previous sponsored skateboarder that was definitely uh, inspiring to me. And uh, he had a ramp at his house. He had a relationship with Drew Munn. Uh, so Adam introduced me to Drew. Uh, Drew was definitely a very good skateboarder and a very... A capable ramp builder amongst other things that he's you know skilled with so when I met Drew things started to really take shape and I met some of their closer friends that had assembled other ramps for different people and then the ramp that we were then soon to build was uh, you know gonna be the most modern and newest and uh, revised and true mastery came, came next. <laughs> what kind of dimensions did this ramp have? It sounds like you had some really great input on the design and the build. Absolutely. I think Drew likely uh, deserves quite a lot of credit because I think it would at that time be some of his finest work. Uh, but we built a vert ramp. Uh, so it was uh, 10 and a half feet tall. So it was nine and a half foot transition with a foot of vert, uh, 32 feet wide. Uh, yeah very serious ramp, yeah. and um, I had all the support that you know, my mother allowed us to build that ramp in her backyard. So she knew where we Shout were, she knew mom. what I was doing and who yeah. I was with, so yeah. she never asked what size ramp, so we you know, took the reins and put something special together. Tell me how your skating evolved after that ramp was built in your backyard. You said it sounds like it was constructed pretty quickly. You start to skate it. How did things change for you after that? So I value all the different disciplines within skateboarding. So I've always held on to the you know, basics of even flat ground skateboarding uh, through street skating and any kind of like banks and transition uh, you know, capabilities. 
So when building this ramp, it was a time that vert skating was going through a lot of changes. So there was the interest to adapt to technical skateboarding, but also put it together with evolution of skateboarding and with ramps. So I skated the flat ground of that ramp because it's 32 feet wide. I would, you know, uh, do technical tricks up to four feet, you know, a smaller like mini ramp kind of height up to six feet. And then as well take, you know, the skill up to the vert and sort of polish all three levels of skateboarding from how I, would, I was viewing it. So it was definitely like a turning point in skateboarding to, I think, have the diversity of skating in all different disciplines and bring them together. So when I would look at the ramp out back, I looked at it as the ability to even skate off of the, you know, ramp and do tricks into the dirt, essentially. <laughs> and um, that was like my equivalent of like going down a flight of steps or a gap or something like that. The ramp was a foot and a half high, like off of the ground. It was uh, raised up on the one side of the property. So it had so much dimension to it. So yeah, I had a lot of progression that happened from, from there. And people from all over would come and visit my house and I'd meet all these new people. So I was able to skate with just so many you know, new friends and that definitely contributed to my future. So that, that's an amazing story. Like this, this is just really spectacular. I mean, this is a lot better than like, you know, the little wedge ramp that most of us had in our backyard. Yeah. Were there any connections you made because of that ramp in your backyard that were really significant for you? So, so many things happened from that point moving forward. Uh, All types of relationships. Uh, We started to have events at my house. So we had jam sessions, we had professional demos, um, and this lent itself to even additional progression. Uh, the people I was communicating with to get products and you know have some sponsorships develop, that developed even further to opening a skateboard shop. I would have uh, products that were coming my house and it would help myself and my close friends keep skating and have good products for us so you opened a skateboard shop and was that was that at your house near the ramp or did you open it up in a different location or the grassroots of it definitely started from my house having a lot of products that's cool friends and like light sponsorships if you'll call it that getting flowed products from different brands representing those brands proudly and keeping everything in a progressive motion. And then Adam that I referenced before, yeah, him and I came together and uh, yeah, we opened a skateboard shop within a couple of years from having the ramp. So it brought a lot of people into your life. You made some really great connections and you said you were having some jam sessions and professional demos. Were there any that like really stood out for you or that you remember as like, yeah, that one, that one was great. They were all amazing, but we had the professional H Street company there. So pros that, you know, were very well known that traveled to come to the ramp. Uh, We had other local pros get, you know, pictures and magazines and everything that way. So it definitely became well known and it definitely was helpful, of course, to be inspiration uh, moving forward. Who were some of the pros that came to your ramp? Just for our listeners that would be curious about that 
uh, definitely Tom Boyle was uh, one that I remember feeling that you know my ramp might uh, have some damage from how powerful that he was when he skated the ramp. Uh, the A Street uh, team that was there it was uh, Colby Carter, Chris Livingston, and uh, a number of people that well known that were just uh, you know able to bring that complete professional level of skating right to the backyard and to the local area. So tons of inspiration to all those guys. Wow. Do you think your mom had any idea when she said, go ahead and build the ramp, what it was going to lead to for you? I don't think she knew how far it would take us, but I definitely continue talking with her and learn new things uh, when we discuss things, uh, you know, currently. Um, but it was very clear uh, when she told me that she knew where I was, what I was doing, who I was with, meeting all of the people that were, you know, coming to skate the ramp and seeing, you know, who would potentially be influencers to me. Uh, so, I mean, I remember being woken up early one morning and my mom saying, Shane, there's some guys here that are covered with tattoos and very nice guys but they want to ask about skating the ramp so i met all kinds of people like completely by you know surprise just showing up unannounced and my mom was completely welcoming of that and uh sounds of inspiration for sure wow do you think your mom will listen to this episode can you tell her how cool she is <laughs> absolutely 100 percent. yeah that is amazing you have your own skate shop at some point. Can you tell me a little bit about like your skateboard shop, when that started, you know, who you worked with? Absolutely. So in 1992 is when this would start to form. And it was a feeling of helping skateboarding. Everything definitely felt like a family within skateboarding, like I referenced earlier. So the skateboard shop was, it felt definitely like the right time to have you know, a shop that's run by skateboarders. So yeah. Adam and I came together and I think it was the right time, you know, to have something like that take shape. Um, I was very driven with my skateboarding and um, focused on progressing. So being a part of the shop and helping other people in the area, having like a home base, if you will, coming together with team riders and you know, the movement from that point forward felt both the right direction for my future in skateboarding and the right direction for the community. When you started your skate shop and, and the community starts to come together, um, do you feel like that had an impact on other skaters? Absolutely. Yeah. I was inspired by skate shops like Spike Skates, which was you know, run by skateboarders, so that spoke volumes. And there were some other stores that I think did, did it well, but just not a, enough of them and not in enough areas. And I'd continue to hear about skateboarders riding for different shops and, you know, developing their careers, getting support through a skate shop, and then having companies, you know, uh, create sponsorships through the shop and through major companies. And lots of companies started, you know, being founded in these early 90s. So skateboarding was really, really growing. Where does your skateboarding go in, in that time in the 1990s? So we form 
an amazing team and this definitely became more of my family than I ever thought it could be and a dream come true and just a complete growth with a larger skate team uh, bursting at the seams for the shop team we had all this talent and uh, ability to create small brands where we were able to support and help more skateboarders get hooked up so when you say like bursting at the seams like you had a lot of people a lot of young skaters that were interested on in being on the team you had a lot of talent absolutely uh you know the team uh we had very driven professional skateboarders that were, you know, recruiting, if you will, new talent and forming what would be like our way of skateboarding in our area in the city of Philadelphia. So I'd say that, yeah, it became like a roadmap for us and for the future. When they say that you'll never work a day in your life if you're doing what you love, it was very much like that. I mean, I was in the shop every single day skating even in the shop and <laughs> after the shop hours going and skating afterwards so we ended up you know doing advertising in the major magazines for mail order uh, promoting our team promoting a video that we were producing so yeah we were able to reach a global level and an international level and very thankful for that a lot of support from all areas of the world let alone just locally and some really amazing skateboarders were able to skyrocket their careers as well and all through you know the shop as well who were some of the folks that skyrocketed their career so we had many pros and ams on the team and uh, ripola is definitely one that did quite a lot not just for skateboarding his skateboarding local skateboarding uh, but he was a definite voice where we would have team meetings every other Friday night we would go to dinner uh, we would discuss advertisements that we would have in magazines to follow graphics products that we were coming out with so Rick Oyola, Matt Reason, Serge Trudnowski, Stevie Williams, Fred Gall uh, the list is really really long I mean there's so many names I'd, I'd love to share they all deserve <laughs> credit but we all collectively um, you know, helped one another, motivated one another, and brought tons of progression and um, tried to contribute to our area for sure, but also just to skateboarding in general. For folks who don't know, where was your skateboard shop? So we started in New Jersey um, and only in New Jersey for just under a year and then we kind of outgrew what we were um, becoming and then I personally went to South Street uh, so 5th and South Street would uh, be where our shop was for the next 14 years and for folks who don't know what was the name of your skateboard oh, shop? Sub-Zero Skateboard Shop okay and so you were there in, in South Street which is a very rich area for for skateboarding and melting pot yeah <laughs> and your your shop was there for 14 years yes. so tell me about that time in your life where you know you're in this great area and you have your skateboard shop and you're meeting some incredible people and a lot of people are launching their careers through the work that you're doing a dream come true like a dream that wasn't even you know thought to that level so to want to become 
a pro skateboarder in the craft of skateboarding is one thing, but to be that involved with all these other skateboarders and their careers and see just an abundance of progression and what becomes capable in skateboarding regularly, it's just a movement, if you will, or a craft or an art form um, that's like nothing else. Was there any time, you know, in the 90s or early 2000s where you were able to travel some and go to other skate spaces, check out different skate terrain? Absolutely. Um, So we were able to go uh, to the trade shows, go out to California, form relationships with the brands that we were representing. Uh, So definitely all throughout the country, um, there were uh, trips outside of the country. Uh, We had uh, some friends in Austria, Germany, and other areas. So uh, we had support to bring us, you know, to their areas and help them with skate parks getting built in their area. Uh, so that definitely is something that we're, you know, very thankful to be a part of and inspire people not just locally um, or throughout the country, but also internationally as well. What are some of the places that you've been able to skateboard? you know, in your travels? where I, And did you bring your skateboard when you would go travel? That's another always, question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, always skateboard-related trips for sure. Um, so Austria is one in particular where uh, meeting friends out in San Francisco uh, that were also traveling uh, to San Francisco, so befriending people that way was uh, very common. And after returning to Philadelphia, hearing from the friends that we spent time with in California, asking if we had interest in coming you know, to Austria and it was funded through their town and they wanted to build a skate park and they wanted to have us do a demonstration there. So things like that would happen. And um, there's constant connections and things that are to be thankful for. The Philadelphia area of skateboarding, I would definitely want to point focus to a lot of the street skating that was evolving a lot of areas that you'll go to skate, you may have like a particular spot or a particular area, um, but the difference with Philadelphia is that there is so much that's offered within a very small area. So you can make you know, an afternoon or whatever amount of time that you have to skate, you can get an amount of diversity that's likely not measured anywhere else. So to have Love Park, uh, City Hall, and the Municipal Building, it's like the trifecta and to have it all in that close proximity. Uh, West Philadelphia and other spots, all the colleges. So collectively, Philadelphia is an amazing, amazing area to have skateboarding. Was there ever a time when you were out skateboarding? Because, you know, where we are now, you know, we don't live too far from Philadelphia, but there are townships around here where it's just, you, you get a ticket if you're out with your skateboard. Did you ever get a hard time skateboarding in Philadelphia or? Fairly often. Yeah. (laughs) I've lost complete skateboards that I just set up and gone skating and skated however many blocks away and um, not to promote any kind of skating away from the police, but yeah, it's something that definitely existed. I hope that that has changed. I hope that it can change in the future. Uh, But yeah, there's... uh, through those years, there's definitely been you know countless people that have gotten tickets, their skateboards taken, which is absurd in yeah. my opinion. So, but that is real. It does it does happen? It does happen. It it is absurd. I think um, 
you know, with the folks that have come on and shared their stories, especially, you know, people when they're telling me about how they would skateboard when they were adolescents, the skateboard was like a bike. They took it to get places. So to have it taken away. And I think that happens more now than ever with transportation. There's like the evolution of longboards and things like that. So there's a lot of very comfortable skateboards for transportation and college and everything like that. So yeah, super stable boards that, yeah, absolutely. So I really hope that there's been a decline in any ticket writing and things of that nature. But yeah, I've lost like brand new completes and gotten tickets that are just uh it's difficult to understand oh it's maddening <laughs> that's I've totally been, like you know a, attacked even you know from granted if you're trying to get away or not get a ticket so this can happen but you know i've had police um even when being a grown adult you know come violently you know at me and i've had to collect them and try to be as safe as possible so Hopefully that's changed as skateboarding is not hurting anyone. It's not. It's not hurting anyone. And people have different attitudes about skateboarding depending on where you go. Um, And you've traveled a lot. So you've been to places like California where nobody cares. You're skateboarding down the street. And out here, it's, it's really looked at very differently. I think there is a stigma in some areas with skateboarding that still persists. Um, and I think we still have it here in Delaware County and in some spaces. Do you have a sense of, of what will be um, effective for maybe changing that down the road? Skate parks, for sure. I mean, if we have our own environment that's completely safe from any of those type of concerns, amongst other concerns that are just out there anyway, skate parks are definitely the future. They've been around a very long time. They've proven themselves for decades of what they accomplished. So, yeah, that's definitely the movement for the future. And speaking of skate parks, do you ever check out FDR? Do you skate over there? So FDR, I had um, quite a bit of involvement in the very early, um, you know, involvement there. Like, they came into Sub-Zero, the people from Philadelphia, essentially having the concerns of what was going on at Love Park and uh, wanting to remove us from skating at Love Park. What was that that history, the Love Park history for Philadelphia? So it's a public area and it's a public park. However, it's, you know, not originally identified as, you know, a skateboarding park where we would be sliding and grinding across the ledges and things of that nature, jumping down into the fountain or sections of the park with its stairs and handrails and everything like that. So as amazing as that park is for skateboarding was it's been changed of course uh, but yeah it became a real issue and um, you know people were getting ticketed there chased out of there and um, it then led to them coming into our shop people from the city saying that they wanted to have our support to get a skate park so FDR is a park that was initially to get kids out of the inner city skateboarding so it was and part of it was to to give them a different area because they didn't want people skateboarding in love park is that yeah that's correct so it was difficult because one we wanted to protect our street skating and in those inner city areas the trifecta as i referenced it so uh definitely you know a challenge there uh, but not a challenge to turn away having the offer of a skate park 
So we, the Sub-Zero team and staff, worked very closely to try to have the best result possible if this was going to be provided to us. Uh, I don't know that we were heard very well. We presented a lot of images to show, you know, things that were going to be agreeable and what we were looking for. Like in terms of design and... Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, what the attention was, um, it seemed, was to get people out of that urban environment. So if they didn't want us grinding and sliding across ledges, jumping down stairs, naturally, then uh, we believed it would be wise that we would have those, you know, areas of terrain or obstacles or things to skate, much like what we were skating every day. Unfortunately, that was not well received, um, and you know we got a compromise, if you'll call it that, and FDR would then become more of a DIY because uh, we went to the location. We tried to get other locations that were not approved. How tough was it to work with the city? Um, you know, in terms of that that process that you just described, how. How open were they to just having conversations with you about what the community needed? Because the community was there. It was very obviously there. I think it felt like they were receiving the information well. Uh, It appeared that way. But reality was that they did not deliver what was being promised. And everyone ended up learning that. So the result at FDR Park was... An absolute compromise. It was not actually being successful in getting people out of Love Park, City Hall, Municipal, any inner city spots continued to be just as busy and grow even from there. So people that skate transition and cement parks are a different discipline than people that are completely devoted to street skating and inner city skating. It's just if there can be a blend at parks that truly offer genuinely what street skateboarders are looking for in an urban environment, that's a win. And most times skate parks are strictly cement with bowls and different aspects of transition, which I love and I'm a part of and I'm thankful for, but street skateboarders that are going after street skating have a very different perspective and view of what a skate park should look like not can look like but should look like so the DIY results at FDR which are amazing we're all thankful for anyone that has raised a shovel mixed any cement or contributed in in any manner to FDR Park but FDR Park was initially you know in place to take people outside of the inner city skateboarding and I don't know that that really happened very successfully. Payne's Park is what would then follow years later. When you say, um, you know, having that blend in the design where it offers the transition, it offers the street skating in one park, are there any parks that you've been to where you felt like that was done really well? There's improvement, and I'm thankful for anywhere that we can skateboard officially, but there's tons of room for like next level 
improvement with skate parks for sure. Yeah. There are some that are that are trying to offer those features now. Sometimes a, a big a barrier to that is just simply the size. There's just not enough space to put in everything. Um, I haven't been out to Colorado to see some of those bigger parks. Have you seen any of those or had a chance to skate any of those parks? They're amazing, but if you asked a street skateboarder about those parks, I guarantee you that the image that that skateboarder is going to have in their head is going to be a very large transition bowl or kidney or something that's outside of what they're thinking. And I'll tell everyone that's potentially listening, marble and granite ledges that you can grind and slide and have like modern street level tricks at a park like that. So when skate parks get referenced and you hear concrete and cement, that's a big part of it. But marble and granite are left out almost every time. What would be an ideal design for you and that would feature some of those elements of street skating with marble and granite? I'm sure some are thinking, well, how do you put those together? How can you, you know, have that blend? I'd say that you can, but it definitely requires a measurement like you were saying as far as for space. But definitely important to take into account the demographic and what people are skating and what people are looking for. But yeah, if you build it, they will come definitely for sure, like they always say. That seems to be the case, you know, any any of these parks that get built and they they're some of the most utilized recreation spaces of I think it's important to touch on the fact that when I made the reference to still having appreciation of flat ground skateboarding where you're learning how to ollie and getting into flip tricks and you know variations to that degree you can do that in your house even on like a wood floor I'm not trying to promote someone that's a young person damaging their family's house uh, but that's how somebody can have their actual entry into skateboarding. Mm-hmm. And skateboarding is very intricate and it's dangerous. And people, I think, have an intimidation where they're like, I don't want to skate in front of other people. Uh, I've been learning how to ollie. I'm kind of evolving from like this raw root of skateboarding from a flat surface. So when going to a concrete skate park and seeing these amazing bowls and these beautifully crafted works of art, to a young person that does not have that much skateboarding skill, I guarantee you most are looking at it like, I can't ride that. So skate parks should have an area. This is why I love parks, city hall, municipal building. It's such vast, open, very smooth marble and granite surfaces. So someone could learn how to roll on a skateboard without bumping into anyone, let alone thinking someone that's coming at a very high speed out of this hip corner bowl pocket, whatever that it may be. So roots of skateboarding are super important to have somebody build confidence in themselves. And that typically stems from the very root of the beginnings in skateboarding. And that's not even moving and being able to learn how to ollie just standing still. Mm-hmm. I think that's so well said, you know, that design should incorporate that aspect of getting started and it sounds like love park offered that better than anywhere i've (laughs) ever been and even the designer of that park was in support 
Uh, and this is Ed Bacon, by the way. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. He even protested that we were having such difficulties being able to skate there. Yeah. Which is very difficult to understand. So they spent millions of dollars, and there was a, an offer from several skateboard companies, hundreds of thousands of dollars, to make sure that there were, you know, any repairs needed, if there was anything that was damaged, it would be replaced from skateboarders and from skateboard companies. But instead of accepting a million dollars, there was even a 10-year contract, $100,000 towards Love Park. And it was not accepted. And instead, they spent several million dollars to renovate and remove what was such a beautiful, beautiful park to begin with. It's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Broken heart. Love was broken right there. Yeah. Hello, everyone. This is Chuck Treese. If you want to support the mission of the Delco Skate Park Coalition, please go to www.skatedelco.org. Skate and grind. So today, what are some of your, you know, skate spaces that you really love to go to that are some of your favorites? Or do you, diversity apply to that as well? You try different spaces. Yeah, so any anywhere that I can ride my skateboard, I have full appreciation of. So even... It's a great from, way to look at it. Absolutely. Yeah. So just from anywhere I'm visiting, I'll have my skateboard with me. So any travels skateboarding is so easy to just have with you whereas a bicycle is amazing but naturally it takes up a particular measure and its weight so to have my skateboard with me and ride it anywhere that I go is definitely uh, an adventure do you have any advice for traveling with your skateboard absolutely overhead compartment not a problem (laughs) and I also have had it with me just right between my legs under the seat several times so Depends on who's there on the plane that's, you know, thinking it's safer in one area or the other. But yeah, I never have it go like within like the luggage or anything like that. That goes on and off the plane with me. Personally. Yeah. Yeah. So Sub-Zero is, do you still have it? Is it closed? What's, where is Sub-Zero now? Sub-Zero continues to be communication through like social media platforms and things of that nature. So little reissues and things like that that will happen uh, there are some other brands that have kind of evolved from Sub-Zero. Uh, one in particular that uh, people will notice that I'm putting little teasers of, which it's called Symbolic. And Symbolic will have a lot of early Sub-Zero S1W projects that happened earlier. And uh, yeah, that's like a future vision, essentially, as a brand and something that will encompass some of the history for sure. Skateboarding as a whole, I think, is stronger than ever and still growing reaching new heights and levels olympic level even now which is i know who would have thought (laughs) so something that you know feels amazing seeing that it's continually progressing and moving forward and i'm always hoping that more people at least have uh, an ability to have a little closer look and understand it um you know i think many I think years ago, people would, you know, kind of have a direct correlation to just surfing, which is definitely the history of skateboarding. But now I think skateboarding has its own independent appreciation from people. And I think it's crystal clear that it's not going anywhere. 
and it seems to really have made its mark. Mm-hmm. Um, who were some of the skateboarders, maybe that you, you know people you skate with now, or certainly with growing up, who were probably the most influential for you? Without a doubt, I would say Rick Oyola uh, evolved a style of skateboarding where I'm thankful to have had us all together at the shop, which would become sort of a, a meeting grounds, right? And an environment for skateboarders to be in, in their area. But based on its location at South Street, people would come to the shop, set up their boards, get ready to go, skate right out front in the alleyway and just have like flat ground, which I kind of touched on in the value of that. So warming up, if you will, and then right from the shop, skating through the streets and skating over manhole covers up and down different areas of sidewalks and curb cuts over trash cans or anything that may be in your path over you know trolley tracks and things like that and working your way from south street through to love park city hall and municipal branching out into west philly going over to like all the college areas but rick definitely was doing this in a way uh, through through traffic and things that will change your path and the course at which that you're going. So very, very influential at that time and um, putting lines of things together within skateboarding versus it, for example, skate parks are amazing, but you know, the, having that ability of diversity through an area is, uh, you know, priceless. Yeah, there are some spaces that are more tolerant of that than others um and philadelphia certainly has the the uh, you know i think the advantage of just being a really big space um but if you look at like some of the townships the smaller townships in the area you know the delaware valley it's like kids can't go very far you know and not get seen if they're on skateboards and that's not something that's permitted a devoted space is crucial yeah definitely yeah when you think about the impact of that having that really good skate terrain for you in your own backyard and how that influenced you and everything that came after, you know, that, that's a question that I have for a lot of the the folks that, you know, have a really rich history in skateboarding. Why is it so important that communities invest in that, those dedicated skate spaces? It's such a creative outlet skateboarding that I think it's very inspiring to young people to see how much just one activity encompasses from diversity and overcoming, you know, challenges, whether it's dialing in something that you're trying to progress with skateboarding. Um, It's so multidimensional that I just believe that it's such a healthy outlet of somebody's time. And having that support locally to support skateboard skateboard parks where most people can find a place to play basketball, baseball, soccer, football. These activities have always seemingly, from my re- recollection, have had the devoted space within any community. So why wouldn't skateboarding have that same support, especially it continues to prove itself and it continues to have this progression. So the more skate parks, you know, the better, of course. And now having such 
examples of successful skate parks all around the world, let alone just our country, I think it's very understandable for people that come together that have these responsibilities within a community, uh, council people and everything like that, to look very closely at this. And it's not a surprise that it will not take place unless people like yourself and others that start to have a voice and start to have you know these things take shape for them to be possible. Completely spot on, and it's very well said. When you think about young kids that are growing up now, you know, and I think we can all relate to being that young kid, and you know, when you first get your skateboard and how it clicks with you. Um, how important is that for for kids going in a direction where they're focused and they have a place to progress and grow through skateboarding? Because if you don't have the skate terrain, and it's not easy to get out your front door and and just do something with your skateboard how important it is that it, you know to have that skate park because it sounds like if with that ramp had not come into your life like things would not have gone in the direction that they did absolutely the stars aligned and thankful for all the things that definitely made it possible uh, but outside of you know if that had not happened i would have continued driving over an hour when that's even an option as a young person you know having to rely on older friends that had a license and or a car hopefully and take us to these parks that we had to pay right pay money to get into so uh, things are evolving it's modern times and definitely you know skate parks are starting to become more and more recognized and they're improving and getting better than ever so yeah, super stoked to see additional <laughs> movements for yeah. more parks, definitely. It's the future. Yep. Do you think there's something to you? I mean, this this is something that kind of relates to me, to my own experience. And um, I want to see, yeah, if it, this relates to yours, you know, just being a young kid um, and having a skateboard and sort of being, you know, that not everybody was doing it back when we were kids. For a young kid now to see a community invest in a park, does that, you know, kind of give them the message that what you're doing with your skateboard is every bit as important as the baseball or the soccer ball or, you know, the basketball court or whatever else we're investing in? We're going to invest in this because what you're doing is is legitimate and, and meaningful. Absolutely encouraging, I think. So formally, we, I believe, if I could say skateboarding was nearly considered like break dancing or you know like uh, music alternative music things that were just slightly off the standard path if you will so I think that it's great that we could feel as independent as we were and make friends within our same communities and cultures but it's come a long way from that so to show these young people that you're already accepted and it's being encouraged I think that that's huge and skateboarding it's definitely an art form you get to really express yourself in so many ways it's very much like a martial art i believe and i'd say like to quote like Bruce so? Lee, like, well so the martial arts have such intricate techniques much like music so add a skateboard into that scenario 
very much like a martial art, a craft that's, it would take books amongst books to fully explain not only all the different maneuvers or techniques or tricks as it's, you know, referenced, but the diversity of all the different terrain and all the things that you have to overcome. And it makes you a very uh, strong person as well to hold on to something that's as challenging as it is. So when somebody falls down, it's difficult for many to get up, but as a skateboarder, you need to do that hundreds and thousands of times. So there's quite a lot of strength that develops and confidence, and with confidence, you know, that breeds a lot of success. So I believe in skateboarding as, um, you know, a real path in life to many great things as an individual. You know, one of the things that is also changing, because it has changed a lot, is that skate parks are being utilized by not just skateboarders, but, you know, people with, with different types of wheels. And, you know, one of the interviews that I did earlier this year was with a WCMX skater. She was great. Her name's Tracy, and she skateboards out in Venice, um, in California. And that's, that's one of the spaces that she can utilize just because she's able to access it. What do you think of... Um, of skate parks then evolving and, and becoming more accessible to, you know, adaptive skaters like WCMXers or um, different kinds of wheels. I love everything with wheels, for sure. <laughs> it sounds like it. And yeah. I know I've grown up through, uh, at times, some people that may, uh, with different disciplines, you know, sometimes skateboarders will be concerned with bicycles having the weight that they have. So if they're grinding across ledges with their pegs, tend to create you know a little bit more damage to that surface uh, but i would never feel that it's like not right for them to be welcomed in the same space we're doing the same thing and uh, for how open armed skateboarders are to other skateboarders i've seen you know a greater appreciation of the diversity with anything with wheels as well. So more and more skate parks definitely have the result where there are people there with bikes, uh, scooters. I don't see rollerblades as much, I suppose, but I know that still exists as well. But, um, you know, we're a special breed different than most. So anything with wheels is definitely has my vote every time. <laughs> so... With your background in street skating was and your work with Sub-Zero, was there ever any time where there were contests, you know, either at Love Park or some of the other surrounding areas? We had a Sub-Zero skate contest that we had an effort to have at the Rizzo rink in Philadelphia. So there's a hockey rink right there. There's a nicely smooth, you know, section right next to it. So we had a pro-am contest there. That when, when was that around? When did that happen? Just for, for people who don't know the history. Yeah, this is 1994. Okay. So we unfortunately were removed from that space and we weren't certain of the best direction and how to move forward. So I guess you could say we rolled the dice and we took the obstacles that we had built and what better of a choice than to have it at Love Park. Did you get permission from the city or did you just roll the dice and show up? Complete roll of the dice, <laughs> showed up, positioned ramps and, you know, some additional things there uh, to just add to the already amazing landscape that Love Park is so known for. 
and DJ as well, you know, turntables, yeah. mixer, microphone, like 100% pro-am contest, which was phenomenal and a, a great result. No injuries, no problems. And um, yeah, had all the coverage. It brought a lot of people from, yeah. you know, all across the, the world, actually, and definitely, you know, across from the other side of this country. So California residents as well. So um, you, you promoted the event. And did the city ever complain about it? Was there any pushback? How did we thought that it was sort of like a grassroots guerrilla marketing style, if you will, <laughs> at the Rizzo rink, and we thought we would uh, be free of any concern. Uh, the skate shop had started to really take shape, and we had the supportive, you know, people within the local area. So uh, we didn't think that we would have a problem down there, but. Um, the commitment to take it to Love Park was definitely a roll of the dice and I recall it vividly that we were like let's just do it and it did go very well Uh, we did not have any problems with that event Um, but yeah maybe that was a contributor to when X Games would come years later Uh, but yeah that was definitely a phenomenal yeah tell me about the contest you know what how did it go? You know, for people who weren't there, like what happened, you know, who who was there? We put on other events before and developed through some grassroots kind of uh, skate contests that maybe weren't the most organized and started to kind of take shape. But this was a complete pro-am event. And we definitely had, you know, the right friends and people to contribute their time to keep everybody organized and everything that way, but what a platform. I mean, it was definitely something that um, you would never think could happen without, you know, concern, but... Um, what yeah. were some of the events at these? Because you, it does sound like these were sort of a template for what would come later with X Games. What were some of the events at these early contests that you were involved in? I'd say it was, you know, the, the right people being communicated, the, the information. So uh, having the shop, we were able to, you know, welcome people to this event, you know, from different companies and different areas. So uh, the right word of mouth and the right support and the right belief system that it would be a good event, good prizes and, you know, recognition, I would say, mm-hmm. even more so than, you know, from like a, you know, winning perspective of anything like a prize that way. But uh, just a developing time in skateboarding and Love Park had already started to really make a difference for what was going on. So thankful that that was able to happen without <laughs> any concern. Yeah. Was there ever a contest? Well, so how many contests did you guys end up having there? Oh, that was the one and the only. The one and only. So it was phenomenal. And I don't think that we had the confidence that we could pull something like that off again so it was um again just sort of uh shoot from the hip what are we going to do we're kicked out of this rizzo rank right now and where are we going to take it and uh we really just went for it but there was a lot of pushback in you know skating at love park for years to follow so as skating progressed there at the park you know it felt further from being possible that we could ever have an event to that scale again at Love Park. So do you think I, you yeah. took the city by surprise a little bit with the the size of it? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. How how big? How big was it? 
Oh, it was amazing. Um, you know, there's a lot of coverage that made it into the magazines and videos, and there was a lot of things that happened at the park that hadn't happened before in the progression of skateboarding. So this is a time that people started to ollie into the fountain. So, uh, you know, going from the main level into the fountain when it's drained, actually, like in the winter time definitely started to take shape and evolve so early stories of i heard that somebody ollied into the fountain to then literally us having you know someone that was able to be recognized and get in the magazine and have yeah. video footage of them doing it and then it would progress to where people started having tricks going into the fountain and you know evolution and progression of skateboarding naturally as it always happened so it was definitely monumental for sure I definitely want to share that I'm, I appreciate skateboarding so much, but I also appreciate everyone's contributions. Uh, I have to say that it, it, there's so many people involved and from so many different areas that it's definitely a family. Mm -hmm. And there's so much that happens that, you know, people do get recognition for and get some credit for. But at the end of the day, these are all things that contribute to the future of skateboarding. So the, the ground has definitely been laid and examples continue to happen where through the history, it's pointing to just more progression and more acceptance essentially in skateboarding. Cause I'd say I come from a time that absolutely was not filled with acceptance, maybe some appreciation uh, from an outside view, uh, but now it's different. Now it's, definitely on the world stage mm -hmm. so now would be a very wise time for each town and you know the community to recognize us but not just recognize us but make sure that it's equal playing field so to speak and when i say <laughs> playing field i mean not you know soccer baseball basketball football those are all amazing but equal area that we should have in relation to what they've always had yeah that's cool and very well said. Do you think that Philadelphia, had it invested in Love Park as a skate space, could have become a bigger hub for skateboarding at that time? It already was yeah. monumental. And there's, I don't think anywhere else in history, and I welcome this data if somebody has it, but where there was a million dollars offered to contribute to Love Park independently, uh, that's groundbreaking right there yeah but yeah it's um still such an amazing area and city and surrounding areas as well that um skateboarding has proven itself we're not going anywhere and we're growing so the more support the better from communities and everything like that given your work with philadelphia in the past do you have any advice like for groups like ours what do we need to be doing with working with some of these townships and and government entities to try to move the glacier and to get things rolling so that we can get these parks built the media platforms are phenomenal so any progress that we've had in the past i feel like now we have the capability of reaching a greater amount of people. That's a good point. In a smaller proximity of time. Yeah. So, and I'm a total believer, so I don't exhaust any disbelief of progress. So I think the more that are getting on board and trying to help get additional parks, it's completely contagious and it's very easy to want to help and be supportive. 
So yeah, just getting the word out and continuing to have more people involved. And it's an amazing thing. I mean, this is for our future and our young people that are getting involved out there that um, it's such a healthy direction that uh, hopefully we continue to get more and more parks on a regular basis. Yeah. Well, Shane, where are you skateboarding now? So I live in Glassboro. So areas, you know, where I live at and uh, anywhere that I travel to, my skateboard is always with me in my car. So things like that and um, going to events and things at different skate parks. So I'll definitely be contributing, you know, the support of parks and trying to be present. It was so great to talk with you, Shane, and I so appreciate you sharing your skate history. And it's just, it's so great to get that Philadelphia history. Um, So thank you so much for sharing your story today. Thank you for having me. And I definitely love skateboarding so much. So having the referral and being asked to talk about skateboarding, uh, that's a 100% appreciation of just getting the opportunity. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, your history, its there's a lot there. So if you want to come back and share some more, you know how to reach out to me. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Hey, everyone. This is Nick Ludwig. We need concrete skate parks here in Delco, and I'm working with the Delco Skate Park Coalition to help us reach that goal. If you want to find out what you can do to help Delaware County get concrete, ADA-accessible, and inclusive skate parks, please go to our website at www.skatedelco.org and find out how you can support the mission of the Delco Skate Park Coalition. Thanks. Thanks.